0: Welcome to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Church doctrine on abortion. President Joe Biden, a so-called Catholic, fails to understand the church's teaching on abortion and even suggests that the church makes exceptions when it comes to the killing of innocent babies. Father Thomas Petrie, president of the Pontifical Faculty of the Immaculate Conception at the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, D.C., joins us in studio to discuss these confusing false claims by President Biden. Celebrating progress, we sit down with Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Fitch, who tells us what life has been like since the overturn of Roe vs. Wade. She shares how her team continues to work for the unborn in her state and what receiving Live Action's Life Award means to her. Catholic Conference, we take you inside Catholic Answers' 8th Annual Conference in San Diego, California, I Am With You Always. We hear from Catholic Answers leaders, including CEO Christopher Cech, who encourages Catholics to spend more time before the Eucharist and has an important message about Gavin Newsom, one of the top abortion importers in the country. year old pro-life volunteer was shot while going door to door in Michigan. The woman from Lake Odessa was speaking about Proposal 3, a proposed state constitutional amendment that would establish a new so-called individual right to reproductive freedom. According to Right to Life of Michigan, the woman was shot in the back shoulder area after leaving a heated conversation with a resident. The man who shot the pro-life advocate was not involved in the conversation. She is now recovering from the gunshot wounds. Catholic apostolate leader and father of Mark Huck was arrested last week after FBI agents raided his home. According to a family spokesman, the arrest comes from an altercation which took place over a year ago with a Planned Parenthood escort in Philadelphia. Huck regularly prays the rosary outside the abortion business and says he was defending his 12-year-old son from verbal harassment. President and faux-faithful Catholic Joe Biden falsely claims that the church makes exceptions when it comes to abortions. These remarks were made at a fundraising event for the Democratic National Committee, where, according to Bloomberg, Biden made these insinuations in defiance of Senator Lindsey Graham's proposed 15-week abortion limit. Bloomberg quoted the president saying, Rape, incest, no exceptions. I happen to be a practicing Roman Catholic. My church doesn't even make that argument. And joining me in studio to discuss these erroneous claims and the significance of who's saying them is Father Thomas Petrie, president of the Pontifical Faculty of the Immaculate Conception at the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, D.C. Father Petrie, thanks so much for joining me. I want to start by just looking back at a recent EWTN poll that shows that just 9% of Catholics believe that abortion should be banned. Can you tell us what the church actually teaches and what these comments from President Biden really, really signal?
1: Well, the church has long taught from the beginning, and it's not just a Catholic church. It's Christianity historically. It's Judaism. It's it's Islam. The religious uh, of, of the world have always taught that life is sacred, and abortion is absolutely an intrinsic evil, and there is never any reason to murder an innocent child. In his, in his comments, President Biden was astonishingly wrong, and now he's either self-justifying or he's really poorly catechized you know the fact that nine percent of self-identified Catholics think that abortion should be banned and only nine percent probably says more about the fact of catechesis, says probably more about uh, those Catholics who aren't going to uh, mass regularly every Sunday. Sure. I, I mean, I'm sure that percentage is much higher among those Catholics.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And that poll did point out that the majority of Catholics want some limits on abortion. So that is good. I think that is a catechesis gap there. You're right. And, you know, Father, President Biden, along with other baptized Catholic politicians, Nancy Pelosi, Dick Dur- and others, they continue to double down on saying these things. So talk to me about just how damaging these scandalous comments really are.
1: Well, they they really are scandalous, especially when you have lay Catholics in the political sphere claiming that the church teaches something which it really doesn't teach. You know, Senator uh, Pelosi uh, or Speaker Pelosi really said um, some years ago, and she continues to repeat it, that the church has no position on when a human life is present in the womb, when the soul enters you you know, the unborn child, that's simply not true. While it is true that some theologians historically, like St. Augustine, St. Thomas Aquinas, really debated and questioned when the embryo was significantly or sufficiently complicated enough to, say, have a human soul, those saints—and every saint of the catholic church and every doctor of the church every teacher of the church has said regardless of when life begins or when a human person is present and we now know it's from the moment of conception abortion is always wrong. St. Augustine would never have advocated abortion and neither would St. Thomas Aquinas or any other saint of the catholic church.
0: Thank you for pointing that out and how would you attempt father to reason with someone who doesn't see this issue the same way that we do someone who doesn't understand that inherent humanity of the unborn child especially in difficult circumstances you know a difficult pregnancy where the outcome might not be clear
1: right so you know The point of the matter is is that the human species, every member of the human species, is made in the image of God. And there is all of us, whether we have the same skin color, whether we're from the same ethnicity, whether we're the same sex, whether we have the same beliefs. The Catholic Church and Judeo-Christian tradition believes that every person is made in the image of God and therefore has fundamental rights that can't be taken away and are not conferred on us by our government or by the majority. We want to protect that. There is absolutely no way to protect that unless you acknowledge that every member of the human species is irrepeatable, unique in the eyes of God, and in fact called to God regardless of disability, regardless of ability, regardless of limitation or talent. Now, yes, there are difficult pregnancies. There are going to be difficult pregnancies, and there are some real radical difficult pregnancies such as ectopic pregnancies. And what the church, what I would want to counsel those who are going through that, whatever the solution is, it can't be a solution that sacrifices the life of the child in favor of the life of the mother. Sure. Though there are some actions that may result in the death of the child, choices and actions matter. And so the Catholic Church has a long moral and bioethical history of helping to make those kinds of choices so that a mother does not have to go on living thinking that she sacrificed her child for her own life, even if we do not yet have the ability to save children and certain difficult pregnancies. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Thanks for clearing that up. And we have about 30 seconds left. I just want to ask you, as we continue to celebrate the fall of Roe versus Wade, what do you think is our biggest challenge, our most important mission as Catholics in America right now?
1: Our biggest challenge is to convert minds and hearts and the dignity of the unborn and the dignity of every person. And I think, as we move forward, and I would encourage all those involved in the political sphere to move forward in every single legislative measure that can limit abortion as much as possible until we can eradicate this evil from our country.
0: Mm. Thank you so much for joining us Father Thomas Petrie of the Dominican House of Studies.
1: Thank you Prudence
0: It was an uphill battle to get Indiana's pro-life law on the books. Now, the newly signed law faces another challenge. The law, which stops most abortions in the state and would shut down all abortuaries in Indiana, has been blocked by pro-abortion state judge Kelsey Hanlon. Before being signed into law, the legislation went through various iterations as Indiana lawmakers and pro-life groups were at odds about the bill's specific language. Joining me now for an update is Sue Liebel, State Policy Director at Susan B. Anthony, pro-life america sue thanks for joining me what do we know about this judge kelsey hanlon and what her motivation might have been in blocking this law
2: thanks for having me prudence great to be back on the show um i don't know that we know that much about the judge um we do know that it was filed in a circuit court in a county court in a small county in Southern Indiana. Um, This was an attempt to get it into the system so it would get up to the Indiana State Supreme Court. Um, And several judges recused themselves. Um, I'm guessing that's, it's just a guess, but I'm guessing because in that small town, some of those judges probably knew the Planned Parenthood uh, director or they went to the same places or whatever. It's a small community. So she was a a special judge appointed from uh, one or two counties over. Hmm. Um, what we do know is that it's perplexing um her ruling because indiana uh the state of Indiana has banned abortion since night- uh, excuse me since eighteen thirty five so from eighteen thirty five to Roe versus Wade in nineteen seventy three Indiana was banned um in indiana and there's it's it's never been understood that it was a constitutional right. So she's uh, ignoring the history of Indiana law itself, and um, our solicitor general here in Indiana uh, coined that woke constitutionalism. Mm. Um, So there's a lot of legal um, history and precedent to balance this on.
0: Right, and not only ignoring the history, but ignoring the will of the people in Indiana. And we know that this law essentially shuts down all abortion centers in the state. Update us. Were all clinics shut down for a time once the law was passed? Will that continue, or are these clinics going to start reopening and performing abortions?
2: Oh, they're back open. Um, Her ruling allowed to put on the injunction to the law, so that allowed them to open back up immediately. Um, And this is the most important unfortunate thing. And that is that there are, there are now 161 to our best estimate babies that are dying each week in the state of Indiana because of her injunction. Mm. So it's full on, you know, back on abortion in Indiana until this gets resolved. And, um, for a time there, when it went into effect on September 15th, until she put the, uh, injunction on, uh, we were abortion free.
0: Mm. And, Sue, what comes next? Can we expect the law to be back in effect anytime soon?
2: Well, um, the attorney general of the state of Indiana, Todd Rokita, has pledged to uh, appeal and to fight this lawsuit um, aggressively. Uh, We have no doubt that he will do that. Uh, Hoosiers know that he is um, a very good student of the law. And it appears that in this case, there's a whole lot of law to base this on. Hmm. So they'll get it as quickly as they can through the process. We want to, we want to keep moving forward and get back to the day where the will of the people, through its their elected representatives in the House and Senate, will take effect and lives will be saved in Indiana,
0: um, women. Uh, and and babies will be protected with compassion and with love. Mm, Yeah, this is where the important role of the attorney generals really makes a difference. And, Sue, you're an expert on state policy. I know this isn't the only state where pro-life law on the books is facing legal hurdles or being pushed back against from pro-abortion executives. So can you flag any other states we should be watching right now when it comes to this?
2: Well, um, you know, Indiana had its special session just a couple of months ago, this summer, after Roe was overturned, West Virginia and South Carolina have done the same. In West Virginia, they were able to come to some consensus. In South Carolina, they were not. Uh, what that means then, though, is, is they will go back into session, as will almost all states, in January of 2023. The legislative cycle usually begins in January. So we got a glimpse of special activity this summer, and maybe uh, we learned some lessons from that and maybe what to expect come January in lots of states across the country. So we're working now with uh, pro-life advocates and lawmakers from all across the country to kind of talk about the new conversation that we're having, the new ways of legislating, the new opportunities and obstacles of legislating after Dobbs Mm -hmm. and what this means uh, politically and policy-wise for life.
0: Mm. Well, thank you, Sue. We'll be looking forward to the new year and hearing more updates about situations like this. Thanks for all the work that you do with Susan B. Anthony, ProLife America. Thank
2: you so much. Appreciate it. we Will do.
0: Nearly 500 people gathered together in California this month to celebrate three pro-life leaders who have stood up for life in the public eye. One of those leaders was Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Fitch. She sat down with us at the live-action Life Awards Gala to share what life has been like after her state's Supreme Court case, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, which led to the overturn of Roe v. Wade. I am here with Attorney General Lynn Fitch of Mississippi. Thank you so much for taking some time to sit down with us.
3: Oh, thank you. Such an honor. Always enjoy the opportunity to to visit. Of
0: course, yes. And, you know, we got to speak with you just a few days after Roe v. Wade was overturned. It's been about three months since then. I'd love to just hear from you about um, how those three months have been for you, how it's played out.
3: Well, it's been incredible. I mean, it has been for all of us. Think about the celebration, where we've come from. And now that we've um, changed the narrative in American history, this is a new chapter. So certainly there's been a lot going on, the preparations as we got through the, the decision on the Dobbs case, the things that we had to do in court in our particular state with the trigger law. And uh, I wrote an opinion and then we moved forward and it all became law. Um, certainly the excitement um, being a part of not only my state, but other states in the celebration. Mm.
0: Yeah and talk to me about what it means to you to receive this award from Live Action and and how you worked with this group in particular to end Roe vs. Wade.
3: Oh, I'm so honored and it's so humbling to receive this award, but certainly not just for myself. I mean, I'm certainly accepting this award for so many people, for everyone that played a part, live action, what a, what a partner. Um, and so it truly means so very much to me. But you know, to accept this award, not only for myself, but for my entire team, the entire Mississippi Attorney's General Office, just did a fabulous job. Sure, yeah. um, we had partners and coalition, and we all worked together, and to think that we've gotten to this moment in time. Um, and particularly to have um, the Solicitor General Scott Stewart, you know, to stand in front of those nine justices, make our argument about life and why it's so important, and holistically look at women and empowering women and promoting life at the same time. And you didn't have to pick either or; that now you could do it together. And so we're now at that moment in time.
0: Mm, yes, and it's so exciting. And he did do a stellar job before the court. It was amazing to see. And you know, you got it done in your state. You know, you. Pat, you helped uh, get the Dobbs decision to the court. You've banned abortion in your state now. There are 10 other states that have laws on the books banning abortion, but because of legal hurdles or perhaps pro-abortion executives blocking those laws, those states have not been able to enact their life-saving legislation. So what would your advice be to attorneys general, to state legislators in those states to make it happen for them?
3: Well, certainly there's certainly impediments along the way. And so my advice to my attorney general uh, colleagues is, you know, just to stay strong. Um, Certainly it's been a hard pathway for us all for the last 50 years, but we're there and almost at the the end. So to stay strong and know that there are... Uh, the rest of us out there be willing to help, um, be provide any information that we can. um, And as we stay together and we unite, um, they too will overcome these hurdles. Mm,
0: Yes. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And congratulations again on this award, Attorney General Lynn Fitch. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you. Coming up, Georgia Democrat Stacey Abrams says there is no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. I speak out. Plus, We take you inside the 8th annual Catholic Answers Conference, focused on devotion to the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Next. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Stacey Abrams and Planned Parenthood think they can trick you into believing that six-week-old babies don't have hearts. That is this week's Speak Out segment. If Stacey Abrams is attempting to win the votes of suburban moms and black voters with her recent comments about babies, she's epically failing. A local Atlanta newspaper reported this week that Abrams has embarrassingly low support among black voters, 10 percentage points less than typical Democratic candidates. Perhaps comments like this are the reason why. There is no such thing as a heartbeat in six weeks. It is a manufactured sound. Abrams is exposing that she knows nothing about babies and nothing about the true bottom line for the abortion industry, which kills black babies at an exponentially high rate. Doctors across the board agree that she's lying. Johns Hopkins Medicine states that as early as four weeks' gestation, a baby's heart is beating. And doctors say that her heart will beat about 54 million times before she is born. Abrams wants to desensitize us to the beauty of our growing families, even from the first heartbeat. These little hearts are a major political threat to her because it benefits her if Planned Parenthood gets to kill more babies by abortion. Without apology, she is striking at the literal hearts of what every mom and dad love most, their own precious children. So let's make sure that she continues to fail and never gets an ounce of power. Catholic Answers, a national group based in San Diego, is at the forefront of the battle to restore Catholic values to our American culture. We join them at their eighth annual conference over the weekend, where speakers emphasize the importance of increased devotion to Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Take a look.
1: I want everyone first to come away from this conference wanting to spend more time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament.
0: Catholic Answers CEO Christopher Check called on Catholics this weekend to turn to God for the strength to face some of the most dire problems our church has ever encountered. He summed up well the problem with leaders like Governor Gavin Newsom.
1: Uh, our governor who is a man with a darkened intellect and a hardened will is using uh, his office to invite pregnant women from other states, particularly states where the good people of those states have restricted abortion in the wake of the Dobbs' decision, um, and inviting them to California.
0: He went on to say that Governor Gavin Newsom's active participation in murder is, quote, gravely offensive and imperiling his soul. He also drew a connection between Catholics' lack of devotion and understanding about the Eucharist and the degradation of our culture.
3: If all of those Catholics actually believed
1: in the real presence of Jesus Christ, in the Eucharist, then we wouldn't be killing babies in this country. So we have a crisis of belief in the central mystery of our faith, and as a consequence, everything else, we're getting wrong.
0: Catholic Answers has a team of expert apologists who are dedicated to helping people understand the chief tenets of our faith so that they can put them into practice. Apologist Joe Heschmeyer says that even the earliest Christians can give us guidance on how to change the trajectory of America from pro-death to pro-life.
1: Look to the early Christians for inspiration, because this isn't the first time we've had a culture of death. You know, when the Christians in the first and second century were really fighting for the survival of Christianity, it was in a hostile world that not only killed unborn babies through abortion, but even killed babies through infanticide after birth.
0: He went on to say that the early Christians did everything they could to prove these practices were wrong by putting their pro-life beliefs into practice themselves. We also spoke to Trent Horn, a well-known podcaster and one of Catholic Answers' top apologists on the issue of abortion. He just published a booklet called Why We Are Pro-Life that Catholic Answers is distributing for free to equip more people to debate the pro-life position. He points out that even people who are pro-life can fall into subconsciously dehumanizing unborn children, something we all need to be aware of.
1: I asked them, if your sister was going to kill her two-year-old child, would you tell anyone? And they said, well, absolutely. And I said, if your sister was going to have an abortion, would you tell anyone? And they said, well, I'm I'm not sure. It's Mm. it's private. And I said, but look, you guys are all against abortion, right? They said, yeah. But if the unborn or as human as a two-year-old, why don't you treat them like a two-year-old? And the light bulb clicked
0: for a lot of them in that moment. You can get your copy of Why We Are Pro-Life and learn more about the important work of Catholic Answers at whyweareprolife.com. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing Pro-Life Weekly at EWTN.com. we love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.